Why do you want to fight? This is the fight game with Demond Cotton. Hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the fight game. I am your host, Demond Cotton, sitting across from me. My advocate, my tag team partner, the best man on earth, Jared Justice. How you doing, Jared? I'm awake. All right. And if you want to be a part of the show, you can follow us at Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Demon underscore the boss at Jared Justice. Just us. Not just as if you need a lawyer. You can call the show if you'd like at 702-221-8982. And the station at 1230 The Game on Twitter. And we've got a lot to get into today. Devin Haney. Coming off of a win in Australia, defeating George Cambosis to become the unified champion at 135, the lightweight division in boxing, he put on a clinic. We're going to have Ben Baby on the show at 1130 to talk about that. Professional wrestling, Cody Rhodes, wrestling with a torn peck, maybe giving the best performance of his career. Cody Rhodes, I mean, he's the talk of the wrestling world, outshowing CM Punk. Putting CM Punk in his shadow, CM Punk who had to take a little step away due to an injury, and he did not vacate the AEW championship. There was a little controversy surrounding that, but AEW is going to have an interim tournament. It's so convoluted, a battle royal, a number one contender, someone at Forbidden Door, but there will be a match for the interim title in AEW. And we also have the stars of Ms. and Mrs. on the USA Network on the show today, joining us about 11.15, Mike the Miz Mazana and his Wonderful and beautiful wife, Maurice, are going to be joining me on the show to promote, come on, season three of Miz and Mrs. I mean, so, so much inside the ring, outside of the ring. Also, UFC 275 is this weekend. There is just so much going on in the world of combat sports. Glover Teixeira defending that light heavyweight title. I just don't know where to start, Jared, but I guess we're going to start in the world of professional wrestling. Are you following any of this, Jared? Do you, are you caught up on any of the stories that I just mentioned? Not at all. And that's why I love you, man. That's as you could genuinely find someone off the street to be a better soundboard to bounce off of. Because, I mean, you got Cody Rhodes, you got CM Punk. I know who those people are. But you don't know anything that's going on with them. Not at all. The Miz. I know The Miz. All right. Okay. Yeah. Ben Baby coming up at 1130. Excited to talk to him. He also sat down with Oscar De La Hoya, so pick his brain about that. I mean... There's always something going on with Oscar De La Hoya. You know, uh, so there there very, always is. A very interesting character there. And like I said, UFC 275. But yeah, we're going to start today with Cody Rhodes. Last week on Monday Night Raw, Cody Rhodes and, and Seth Rollins, Seth freaking Rollins, as they always have to say. It's a part of his name now. He's not just Seth Rollins. He's Seth freaking Rollins. They have the big tear apart before their match at Hell in a Cell. You know, when the rivalry boils over to the point where two guys, you got to trap them in hell in a cell. Yes, that's my best uh, Vince McMahon impersonation oh, there. Yeah, all right. So you got Cody Rhodes, the son of Dusty Rhodes, and you got Seth freaking Rollins. But hey, before there's inter- there's internet rumor, there's chatter. Cody Rhodes, Torres Peck, he's probably going to be out for the match. And you hear that and you think, man, that's a bummer. Is it true? Is Cody Rhodes going to be able to compete in the main event? He's the main, he's solo on the poster. So we get to Hell in a Cell this past Sunday. Seth Rollins, he comes out in the polka dots. Some would say an homage, but making fun of Dusty Rhodes in his WWE run when he had to don the black and polka dots look. 
And Seth Rollins comes out in gear inspired by that look, taking a jab at Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes comes out. The kingdom music hits. Adrenaline in his soul. Waiting for me to start to show the lyrics of the song never rang truer. Cody Rhodes slowly making his way down to the ring. You can tell that he's laboring his right arm oh just a God. little bit. I see Jared is now pulling up pictures of Cody Rhodes' peck. Oh, oh, I, I am glad this is not a visual medium. As Cody Rhodes starts the match, he takes off of his he takes off his wrestling robe slowly, so the crowd can drink it all in. Get the first visual of his severely bruised peck. Hey, dude, that is severely torn. is an understatement. This that's gross bruising. Like that's like you, there's bruising, and then there's that's that's like dude, you got blood underneath your skin. You need to go see a doctor. And you would think that, go see a doctor, but no. Cody Rhodes wrestled a full match. I don't have the official match time, but I want to say these guys went about 20 minutes, including entrances. So he still went out there, wrestled an entire wrestling match with one arm. Jared, let's put that on the poll. Would you compete in anything with a torn pick? I don't care if it's a wrestling match. I don't care if it's a one-legged race. I I I don't care if it's like a hot dog eating competition. I am not competing in anything with the torn peck but cody rhodes he goes out there adds to the mystique cody rhodes has done more for his career in two months with the wwe since returning back at wrestlemania after a six-year absence he's done more for his career in two months to build up the legend of cody rhodes than he's done in his entire i want to say 15-year career because that performance that he gave at hell in a cell with seth rollins and also credit and kudos to seth rollins for taking care of him taking care of Cody Rhodes, making him look good in the ring because he's still out there competing with the torn peck, and this is one of those injuries. Hey, if you want to go out there and compete to the best of your abilities, you're not going to make it worse. This isn't an injury where people say, oh, should he have been out there? It can't get any worse. It's already torn off the bone, as I like to say. You can't put it back on at that oh, point. God, It's Stop. off the bone. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> <Jared> is literally <laughs> convulsing. Okay, so... <laughs> People may not know this, but uh, Devon and I are actually pretty tight outside of the show. And one of the things that he'll do is every once in a while, we'll 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 get food together, and he is the only person I've ever known that will take like a chicken drum, like a drumstick of a chicken, and literally clean it off like a cartoon character, where it comes out clean out of his mouth. I've never, I didn't know that that was something people actually did. And all I'm thinking about is literally like just a bone just sitting there with a flap of meat hitting against it. So thank you, Damon, for that lovely visual image. Come on, you're just not eating chicken wings, right? That's what I heard. <laughs> but anyway, so Cody Rhodes, he puts him and Seth freaking Rollins, they put on a five-star performance at Hell in a Cell. And so obviously Cody Rhodes, he can't compete. He comes out the next night on Monday Night Raw. And you know he's basically going to give you the farewell tour. He's going to be gone for at least six months. But he says, hey, maybe I can make a, a, a return at Money in the Bank in Las Vegas in a little less than a month or in about a month's time. And he's given out the hope. But it's like, there's no way. I hope he doesn't. Please stay home. Please rest up. Don't try to be that guy for the business. You've already given us more than you should have. But then Seth Rollins comes out and they have the, hey, you earned my respect. Your father would be proud. A sincere, touching moment, and you think, hey, Seth might turn babyface here. 
This is a good baby face turning performance here. So, you know, Seth leaves the ring. Cody, he backs up. You know, he's walking. He's giving the wave like he's the Queen of England to the crowd. So remorseful because we know this might be the last time that we see Cody Rhodes in WWE until he heals up from that injury. And Seth Rollins comes back, hits him in the back of the head with a sledgehammer, and attacks the shoulder and arm area of Cody Rhodes' injured peck even more, solidifying that he is one of the most dastardly heels in all of professional wrestling. And I've got it. I'm not one for star ratings. People like to say, what did Meltzer, how many stars did he give it? If it was in the Tokyo Dome, it would have been a seven star match breaking the five star rating system. You can give that 10 stars to me for someone to go out there with a torn peck wrestling with one arm and to put on that performance. You see the pictures. You can see the video. That thing is bruised up. The blood is Rushing all over his chest. Yeah, I, and it. I I closed the I closed the tab specifically because of this this description. Thank you. And it, yes, thank you. And that's that's basically the main story in all in all of wrestling. But we've got to move over to AEW as well because their champion, the AEW champion, won the title here in Vegas at Double or Nothing. CM Punk never even got to defend it. Made one appearance on TV at last week's. AW Dynamite, and some are saying it happened. He jumped in the crowd, do a little crowd surfing and celebrating, and then you could see CM Punk. He's looking at his foot on his on the walk down to the ring. We they, we're just saying lower body. They're treating this like a hockey injury. <laughs> it's now it's just lower body. We don't know if it's the leg, the knee, the foot, but he did have a successful surgery on whatever it may be, and then that led to him coming out on AW this past Friday and saying that hey. You know, he's going to have to take some time away. And Chris Jericho baffles it on commentary, you know, fumbles it a little bit, said he's relinquishing the title. So people think CM Punk, he's giving up the title. But no, that's not the case. So now there's a battle royal. And you have AEW Forbidden Door coming up, the big crossover show that we've all been waiting for with New Japan. We saw Tanahashi. He was at the ramp two weeks ago on Dynamite. This was going to happen. We were supposed to get Tanahashi and CM Punk. We don't know anymore. And it's and it's baffling, but AW, Tony Khan, he pulls out the bag once again. Tony Khan is the guy, but wait, there's more. That should be his catchphrase. Because just when you think, what else is he gonna do? What's gonna be next? Will Ospreay shows up last night at AW Dynamite. And Jared, you do not know who this guy is, but he is the king of high flyers in all of professional wrestling. Just a staple in New Japan pro wrestling. The Brit that we've always wanted to see him over here stateside. He's even going to be competing in some G GCW shows. I've seen that they've already advertised him versus the young Nick Wayne. Shout out to Nick Wayne, 17 years old, and is just light years ahead of where someone 17 years old should be in the wrestling business. He's already signed with AEW, but they're like, hey, man, once you become 18, that's when you can actually compete for us on I mean, national yeah, TV. But he's already got the contract in waiting. <laughs> that is, that's like the, uh, the kid who's 13 but has scholarships from Kentucky. Like, you're so good that they're, they're, they're like, yeah, so in like six or seven years, we want you. Just hang out. Don't do anything. Don't get injured. You're good. And also, some new developing news in AEW. There's going to be a new title. The All-Atlantic Championship. And the bastard Pac 
moved on into this new tournament for the all Atlantic Championship. Now, I I am not I am not one for having a title for title's sake. I think it's a little too much. It's a little overkill. Do we need titles, some more singles titles, more singles titles? Because what's the point? There should just be the main title, the AEW Championship, and the secondary title, the TNT, the TNT title. After that, what are we doing here? Because now with this All Atlantic Championship, you've got the FTW title. There's just going to be too many belts. Then it's just going. It's it's going to be. Hey, I've got a belt. I've got a belt. But do the belts mean anything when they're around someone's waist? And I think that's going to be a challenge for AEW moving forward because they say these ranking systems matter. But then are you are you ranked high enough to challenge for this title or that title? And when do storylines come into play besides the rankings? Because there are guys that are winning up a storm on dark. And that's the YouTube show that you can watch. But there are guys, man, they don't lose on dark, but they only compete on dark. And then you look at the ranking system. Well, how is John Moxley ranked ahead of Jay Lethal? His wins mean more. Well, why do his wins mean more? Because he's on TV more? I, you, it's hard to understand sometimes some of this AEW logic when it comes down to these rankings. So I, I was always curious about this because growing up, it was always there was the there was the championship belt, the intercontinental or basically the like middleweight belt and then it was tag team and then women's championship that was it it was four belts now so i I remember a picture of uh john cena at one point he was holding three belts and i was just like i don't understand how you can why do you need so many belts well that's if you're talking about when he had the two titles around his neck that was the world championship and the wwe championship to which they unified and made the wwe world heavyweight championship that was an iconic moment in history there, Jared. So I, I might have to retort you a little bit on that one. Okay, but it's the it just seems like it's a bit much where it's like, shouldn't shouldn't you just need don't you just need like a a middle belt, a main belt, a tag team belt? That's it. Three belts. Uh, you you're making sense to me, but there's there's also talk of a trios title Ooh. being introduced. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes, they had them in um Ring of Honor, also in Lucha Underground. Ooh. Yeah, hey, man, don't we all miss Lucha Underground? So many stars. So, but I digress. <laughs> oh, man, it was So good. many Saturday afternoons of... Oh, no, Lucha, Lucha Underground was this show. It was a very cinematic um, television show with yeah. wrestling that aired on the El Rey Network, I believe. Yes. But week after week, and it was just... They're putting on, they were putting on tremendous stories, tremendous matches... I mean, oh, yeah, man, I could go Lucha Underground. That was much less it TV. It's canceled now, but boy, when it was on for maybe those two and a half seasons, you got some good TV. And now let's go ahead and get into my conversation with The Miz. Before we do that, let me just say The Miz and Maurice, and pleasure to have them on. Miz and Mrs., I mean, come on. The Miz is the best guy in WWE when it comes to he knows how to work the crowd. He knows what to do with an audience. He's the go-to celebrity guy. Bad Bunny wants to come in for a WWE match. Who do you put him with? The Miz. Logan Paul wants to come in for a WWE match. Who's going to be his tag team partner? Who's as scummy as Logan Paul? Who could the <laughs> WWE put him with? Oh, that's, that's a, <laughs> we'll put him a, with the Miz. That is not a compliment. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Who can get booed as booed as much as Logan Paul? The Miz, you're the guy. You are that heel. So without further ado, let's ring the bell. I'm pleased to introduce my next guest, the stars of Ms. and Mrs. on the USA Network. Season 3 just premiered on Monday, June 6th. 
Mike the Miz Mazanin and Maurice Mazanin. How are you folks doing today? Doing absolutely awesome. All right, now I am talking to the It Couple WWE superstars, but Miz and Mrs., it is a reality TV show, and I do enjoy watching the show because one of the things that it centers around is your family. When you guys started this show, did you think that your parents would become almost as big as stars as you are? Sure. Well, if you ask them, they're bigger stars than us. Um, but uh, honestly, this show has brought our family together. Um, you know, I'll ask my dad to come for Thanksgiving, and he'll say, are you filming? And I'll go, uh, no. And he'll go, no, I don't want to come Thanksgiving. And if I say <laughs> yes, he'll be like, yep, I'm coming. And what about for you, Maurice? Oh, if my mom knows there's cameras around, she's around. Same. And one of the things that in that premiere is Marjo, you guys trying to get her out of the house, and you guys, you're entertainers, you're always on the go. When, even when you aren't filming, you're on the road with WWE, how much alone time and downtime do you have? I don't think we get any downtime. I never. Are you kidding? Oh, my gosh. I mean, just trying to, like, do the basic is, is a job because we're trying to book, let's say, WWE is a physical um job so you try to get in the gym right so you want to get in the gym at once a day hard to do got to plan it try to find the perfect time to do it sometimes it doesn't work so even things like most people don't want to go work out it's like you have to it's you have to book it and put it in the calendar it's crazy you have to be organized it's non-stop every day all the time <laughs> all right Miz, and then a part a big part of the season is you Weighing the options of become of of going on Dancing with the Stars, you know, a very popular dancing show, and you're not that much of a dancer. How much trepidation was there for you to put your moves out there for the world to see? A lot. I dance at, at weddings, not on a, a dance floor in front of professional ballroom judges. So, I mean, and then you know, you're going into this thing and you're thinking, well, I don't really know what I'm doing and I want I'm a competitive person I want to be able to win but whenever you have a wife as supportive as mine you you kind of go you know what she's right you know my girls will get to see me be you know scared of going into this thing but actually going into it and now I look back on the dances that I was able to do and I'm proud of what I was able to accomplish and Maurice when Mike when he gets out there how confident were you in seeing him dancing and showing what he could do for the world? Because he just said he's a good wedding dancer, but what did you think about his ballroom dancing skills? For me, it didn't even matter. Um, yes, he's funny at weddings, but I just wanted him to do it. So, you know, sometimes it's not about wedding. It's just about, it's not about winning. It's about doing it. And he's not your typical dancer. And I thought, Maybe my kids in 10, 15 years, when they come to me and say, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that, I can say, your dad was a wrestler. He was not a dancer, didn't look like a dancer, but he Thanks. went there and he did it. <laughs> and sometimes maybe you're not winning. It's not always about winning, but it's about trying your best. And I think he actually did really, really good. Uh, not saying he did better than what I thought. I can't say that. I just did say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I used to see him doing the working and body rolls and words at weddings, not <laughs> dancing on a ballroom. So he did really good. My kids will be able to look back and say, whoa, dad did this. So that was just the point all, all along. It was just to be able to have that doing that so I can show it to my kids in 15 years. 
All right, again, we're talking to the Miz and Maurice, the star of Miz and Mrs. on USA Network. Season three is out now. And guys, season three, three you've been doing the show since 2019, I believe, right? Yes. So has the show exceeded your expectations of what you expected when you first got this offer from the WWE and USA? Oh, yeah, I think it exceeded all expectations, not only from us, but from, you know, the audience out there. You know, the success of the show is because of the hard work we put in, but also, you know, the fan interaction that we get. I mean, you know, usually when we're looking on social media and in WWE, it's usually like, you know, people like to say bad things about us because we're bad guys. But this is showing a whole different side of who we are and, you know, what it takes to to be where we are. And uh, I think people have enjoyed it and laughed at it and laughed with us. And you get and you mentioned the kids, Maurice. Do the kids realize, I know that both of your daughters are still very young, but do they realize, hey, we live a little bit of a different life where mommy and daddy are a bit special? Uh, thank you. Um, we don't, it's funny, we don't even look at us like that. We we hear that from people, but I don't consider myself, you know, we we do everything that other parents do. Um, I don't think, they're, I think they're too young to understand what we do for a living. And also, I don't think they understand when it comes to Ms. and Mrs. filming and the cameras, they don't really know what's going on. The only thing they know is that they're having fun. And they associate uh, the cameras and the crew at our house to fun. So, oh, we're going to have fun today. It's going to be great. And everyone's happy and in a good mood. And we turn everything that's dramatic into, into not a joke, but, you know, into we try to make fun of it. So I think in a few years they'll, they'll get it. I think right now they're just a little too young. But as long as my kids are happy, I'm happy. All right, and wrapping up here, because I know we don't have that much time left, when it comes to the balance of incorporating the actual WWE act into the show, is that a balance or is it just, hey, when it's time to film, it's time to film? Everything is balanced. Everything is balanced. Work, kids, family, relationships, my husband, I, uh, everything is about balance. It's, we say it like it's easy, but it's the hardest thing. Balance is very difficult. And you will see on the show, you know, Maurice, you know, getting back in the ring and training after having two beautiful daughters, you know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, we, we show the exactly what we're balancing. going through. The art of balancing being a parent and then working and doing, doing it all as you can is on its own just an art, <laughs> literally. So everyone that has kids can relate and everyone that doesn't but work and have, everyone has a way to relate to our show in some ways. All right, thank you for joining me. This has been Mike the Miz Mazanin and Maurice Mazanin, the stars of Miz and Mrs. on the USA Network. Season 3 is out now. Check it out. Thank you so much for joining me on the fight game. Thank you. All right, and there you have it. Miz and Mrs., Maurice and the Miz joining me on the show. You know, only had a short amount of time with them, but I, you know, it's just... They're stars of reality TV. They know reality TV. But The Miz got his start on the real world and subsequently the challenge. That's If it was just, hey, Miz, if you could just give me 10 minutes of The Miz, what would you want to talk about? Anything goes. Let's talk about the challenge. And I think he's one of the best challenge athletes of all time. That I love the, that. So 
little background information. My sister always got to control the remote because she played Division One softball, and I'm me. Um, so yeah, I grew up during summers, we would always watch the challenge and some of those people, I'm like, literally like, how is this like fair? They just went and lived in a bus. What are you doing to these? Like you're making them run an obstacle course, but yes, you're a hundred percent right. The Miz absolutely was one of the few people that I was like, oh, okay. He can actually do this. This is actually a thing that like this guy is this guy is capable of doing. It's not some 180 pound guy who's like the, the situation. Hey, you didn't want to be too big on that show, man. Cause you get no, too you, muscular. You know, there were a lot of challenges, swimming, biking. Right? Hey man, there were a lot of things that you couldn't just be a, a total meathead. And you also had to be a strategist. You also had to think on the challenge. Hey, the challenge is still on. Why am I saying like past tense? Like the show's still not airing today. Now they're bringing people from Love Island onto the show. You know what? This is the fight game, but you know, yeah. hey, everything's a reality fighting. TV show next. Like that—that's yeah. gonna—that's gonna be the next. Let's talk about obscure reality TV shows because Jared doesn't know about Love Island. Come on, man, what's wrong with you? But next, we're gonna talk boxing with Ben Baby from ESPN. You're not gonna want to miss that. And once again, thanks to Mike, The Miz, Mazanin, and Maurice. This is the fight game on 12:30. The game. This has been Shakur Stevens in the WBO Super Featherweight Champion of the World. I appreciate your interview too, man. I like, I like, I like your interview, man. Welcome back to the fight game with Demond Cotton. All right, and we are back here on the fight game on 12:30, the game, and I'm pleased to introduce my next guest from ESPN. He's got your boxing coverage. He's got your Bengals coverage if you need it, and that's Ben Baby. Ben, thank you for joining me on the show today. Hey, of course, man. Always a pleasure. All right, and I saw that you talked to Oscar De La Hoya a little bit, and that's what piqued my interest because Oscar De La Hoya, Golden Boy Promotions, he's saying that he's got a billion-dollar company on his hand. Do we actually think that it's worth that much? I, I do not think so. Uh, I, I think that it's probably a little bit of bluster. Uh, I, I do find it was interesting, though. I, you know, the, you know, it, it was funny. We were talking ahead of the, uh, you know, I think it was part of the Ryan Garcia, Javier Fortuna, um, you know, promotion that's going on. They'll be fighting July 16th. I believe that's going to be in L.A. Uh, that's going to be the fight that Ryan was scheduled to fight before he went on his uh, mental mental health hiatus. And I think it'll be a good test for him and, and kind of probably a, a good step up for him as he continues to chase a belt in a crowded lightweight division. But you know, I asked Oscar kind of what, why why he still does this. Obviously, he's got a lot of a lot of things on his plate. You know, personally and professionally. You know, has a you know a lot of golden boy. You know, has, has not had the best last couple of years, and then also Oscar. As well, in his personal life, he's had a rocky few years as well. Had recent sexual assault allegations that he denied, um, you know, in a lawsuit that was filed earlier this year. And so I asked him, I said, you know, why are you doing? Why are you still do this? And, and and he said, you know, he loves boxing. And then he went ahead to say, you know, that being said, you know, he feels like he's sitting on a very valuable company. And he said he can't wait to get rid of it. And I said that's interesting. I mean, when I think when you look at perhaps what they want to do with some of their top fighters, you know, I could see a scenario in which you know. Oscar's wanting to make sure Golden Boy looks as viable and as promising as possible and, and maybe one day find a seller. And especially when you look at their roster right now, they've got a lot, a lot of young, exciting prospects. So, well, I don't think it's a billion-dollar company. I do think they do have some assets right now that are, that are worth something. All right, and one of those prospects, Ryan Garcia, you had mentioned him earlier. 
you mentioned how he took that mental health break, and now he's back. He's fighting. The lightweight division is crowded. What do you think about Ryan Garcia against some of that top competition? We saw Devin Haney pick up a win. We see T- Tank Davis out here. Does Ryan Garcia match up with those guys? Because to me, I do think that he's more of an Instagram celebrity, but it's still a very elite fighter. Yeah, you know, I think that he's he's definitely not in that top tier. I mean, what we saw out of, you know, Devin Haney this last weekend, I, I think that, you know, my question going into that fight between Haney and, and George Cambosis in Australia was, you know, could does Haney have enough power to really deter Cambosis? And I think that Cambosis just wasn't willing to engage because he knew what was on the other side. And I don't think it was his power. I think Haney just kind of discouraged you. You know, when we look at Devin Haney fighting against Jorge Linares, Linares, you know, had made a decision, especially towards the end of that fight, to come forward and really attack, and, and he hurt Haney in, you know, in his final rounds. And, and, you know, I think hey, there was a little bit of pressure on Haney to kind of be a little bit more of a performer in that fight against Cambosis saw why, because, you know, even though that you know Devin is a, a very tactically skilled fighter, very good jab, all of that stuff, I think he does leave a little bit, little to be desired when it comes to being an entertaining fighter. Now, granted, he's got all the belts. He's the undisputed, you know, uh, lightweight champion, so, you know, he's got that going for him. But I do think in terms of being an a true prize fighter, there is, I would like to see a little bit more out of Devin, but when you look at what Ryan Garcia's done, I thought he had a really good win against Luke Campbell. I thought, you know, if he, if he did well against Fortuna, you know, it would it would bode well for him moving forward. But we see these guys in the lightweight division, you know, specifically take and and Devin really kind of rising to another level. And there's still Lomachenko, who I think might still be the best, you know, lightweight in the division, even though he did lose to Tiafimo Lopez. I do think that, you know, I think Lomachenko still has a lot to prove. Oh, yeah, Lomachenko, I I really do think that he should get a shot. I just don't know when he's going to be available to fight, you know, with the conflict in the Ukraine. But back to Devin Haney real quick. Cambosis, he did have the rematch clause. Do you think he's going to exercise that rematch clause, or is he going to let it slide? Because we obviously saw that he had nothing for Devin Haney. Yeah, you know, I I think that, you know, you're asking about Cambosis, correct? Yes. Yeah, sorry. A cat just went up to my window downstairs in my basement. My dog just absolutely lost. It. I don't know where the cat came from. So I'm now just right here, just trying to trying to adjust on the fly. But you know, I like George Cambosis. I don't. I think that he is what he is. I think that he, he's a guy who's going to come at you. He's going to be. You know, you you know that you know when we looked at that fight against Tiafimo Lopez, he was a mandatory fighter um, and, a, and a mandatory challenger. Excuse me. You know, you, what you saw is what you were going to get. I thought that Cambosis, you know, I think Tiafimo's style fit Cambosis really well, and he just didn't have any answers for Devin. I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy who has those kind of answers because he doesn't have a lot of power either. That's the other issue in that in that matchup is that not only does Devin not have power, George might not have even that much power. So I think that's going to be a, a problem, but, you know, I think it's going to be up to him to be willing to engage. We saw what he did against Tiafimo, and I, I think that he'll be a contender. He'll be a guy who can probably bubble on that fringe, but... But right now, I think that the, the top of that 135 division is really just a cut above. All right, and speaking at the top of that 135, Javante Davis, he knocked out Roly Romero. You know, Roly was supposed to put the city of Vegas on his back. I was rooting for him, but he got the KO. Where does Tank go? Because we all know that, that WBA title, it's not really a real title, and I'm sure he's tired of hearing about it, or maybe it doesn't phase him at all. But what do you think is next for Tank? Yeah, you know, that's been the question. When he fought Mario Barrios, you know, I talked to him. It was funny, you know, I was in Vegas for the Josh Taylor and uh, 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 Jose Ramirez undisputed fight at 140, and here was, you know, I was also talking to him. I did a Zoom with Tank, and he was getting ready to fight Mario Barrios, 
for a you know a 140 title. We all know that's not a real thing because the WBA regular belt doesn't count. Might as well be a, a certificate and a you know a gold star uh, for for all intents and purposes. And I asked I asked Tank what he, what he felt like he wanted to do, and if he felt like you know he was in the cut above, you know, or if he was among one of the best, you know, in that little group of fighters around the 135 and 140 division. And, and he said he was, and I said I, I didn't really understand why. And I asked him what he thought about that, and and I, I think that. At the end of the day, Tank is going to have to realize, and a lot of people have made this point, if he wants to be a guy who's commercially successful or if he wants to be a legitimate champion, you know, if you're a supporter of Tank Davis, you cannot legitimately say right now that he is a true lightweight champion or, or, or you know, and then that's just not, not the case. And so for him, if he really wants to go chase a belt, he's going to have to go get it. He's going to have to go fight somebody. And, you know, the, the issue is, you know, for Leonard Elevey and Mayweather promotion to Tank, is that he is so much more commercially viable than maybe some of the other guys in the division where financially it may not make sense for them to go out and take a tougher fight right now. You know, I, I talked to Leonard Elliott about this at length. You know, for them, you know, it doesn't really make a whole lot of you know, financial sense because, you know, you're having to pay, you're, you're paying, you know, tougher fighters more money to come face tank where you can make more money and have an, you know, an easier payday, you know, by, by facing the likes of Roly Romero, who I think is just completely awful, to be quite honest. I think that. He did a great job selling that fight, and that's about as, as well as he – that's probably his best skill is running his mouth, if we're being quite honest. Uh, but but otherwise, I mean, there was a reason Tank was just such an overwhelming favorite. And, he, and Tank did a really good job of carrying Roley because I think he could have got him out there pretty quickly if he wanted to. But, you know, Tank's going to have to decide, if he, you know, what he wants his legacy to be. You know, if he wants to, you know, follow that Mayweather mold, I think he's got to do what Mayweather did when he was at 130, 135, and even 140, where he was going, coming up and clobbering top fighters. And when you look at his, his resume before he got to welterweight, it was a lot of solid dudes. And then once he got to that Money Mayweather era of his career, he was able to be a little more choosy and, and take fights that suited him, and, and he was able to sell those really well. Tank isn't there yet. Tank is still in, he's still in his pretty boy phase, so to speak. And I think that you know he's going to have to find a way to go and challenge somebody. Otherwise, people are going to continually and, and rightfully say he's not a true champion. All right, my man's Jerry got a question for you. All right, so on a recent piece on ESPN, you wrote that uh, Tyler Boyd is a frequent Vegas visitor. Have Have you ever like asked, "Hey, man, can can I get embedded with you? Like, well, I'll, can I come out to Vegas oh with you?" <laughs> yeah, no, Tyler Boyd, the the Bengals uh, slot receiver, he is a, a big Vegas fan. He he knows who to hit up when he's out there. Uh, I did not ask if I could be embedded. I don't know if I've got the stamina for that. These guys are a little <laughs> bit younger than me. At this point, and so it looks like you know they were at it for a while. So um, it was it was good for them, and, and they were back. And, and to their credit, they did not miss a single day of uh, off-season workouts that are voluntary, by the way. So I got to give those guys a ton of credit. And you know, it's interesting. There are some fight fans in there. I talked to T. Higgins, the Bengals wide receiver. He said he'd love to get out to a fight. I told him I was out there for uh, Porter Crawford. You know, at uh, I believe that was at Mandalay Bay, and, and it was just such a such a great atmosphere. And I told him that it's just it's nothing like being at a at a big fight. And I was at the Super Bowl, and I still agree. You know, maintain that you know if you're at if you're in, and, you know, I haven't been to a UFC fight, but I've been at some really great boxing events, and the energy that you get in the arena, there's really nothing like that, even in the biggest stages of the NFL. You know what? That's so funny. I had Vic Taper on our show, Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, and he said the same thing. He was like, being at a heavyweight title fight is bigger than being at the Super Bowl. And you're, all, and you're seconding that. All right, so maybe I got to beat him. I got to get to I got to get one of these credentials to one of these premier top fights. And I'll ask you about premier top fights. 
What's a fight not only at lightweight at 135, what's the biggest fight in boxing that you want to see happen next? Man, that's a that's a good question. I, I think for years we've all won. I mean, there's so many that just don't get made, and it's really unfortunate. You know, I, I would like to see, I, I put out a list of, you know, lightweight fights, and, you know, I'd like to see, you know, maybe Haney Lomachenko, see how that would how that would shake out, see if Lomachenko could get himself back. And, and I think if Haney is, is really as good as we think he might be, you know, what kind of odds that would have on that fight, and would he do the favor going into that? I think that'd be really competitive. I'd like to see Tank and Ryan. I don't think Ryan's ready for it, but I think that, you know, at this point, you know, you've got to move him along, and I don't really know what's left for him, you know, underneath in that kind of that second or, or that 2A or 2B tier. You know, the fight that I, I'm very curious about and I would like to watch, it's not a, it's not maybe a sexy fight. I know that, you know, I think the uh, the easy answer is going to be uh, Errol Spence and Bud Crawford. Everybody wants to see that one, and it looks like we are going to get to see that. It seems like negotiations are moving along. Both guys really want that fight. So, you know, it looks like, you know, according to R. Mike Coppinger, that things are kind of moving and trending in that direction. But I want to see Stephen Fulton and Naria Inouye, you know, perhaps if Inouye can move up and wait in time and catch Fulton before he goes up to featherweight, I think that that would be a phenomenal fight. I love what Stephen Fulton did. I think it's Danny Roman. I've been a, a big, uh, you know, I think Fulton had an impressive body of work when you look at what he's done, and I think you've got to give Showtime and PBC a ton of credit, and I want to make sure people are hearing that an ESPN person gave PBC and Showtime credit. just want to make sure that's out there because we get slandered unnecessarily for that. Uh, I think they've done a really good job in Fulton. I thought he boxed beautifully with Danny Roman, a former champion, and boxed you know, off the back foot well and really dictated what he wanted to do. thought he looked fantastic against Brandon Figueroa. And then we all saw what Inouye did against Donito Donaire and, and just completely demolished uh, a guy that was in a, you know, that was a fight of the year just a couple of years ago, and Donaire looked pretty good recently. And for Inouye to do what he did is truly phenomenal. I, I think that would be a really fun fight if they can get the weight situation worked out. And I think both of those guys are two of the best fighters in the world. And, you know, Fulton's knocking on that pound-for-pound pound list. He actually might be at the bottom of my top ten. But, well, that's a fight that I think hopefully will get more steam in the next coming months or years. All right. And this has been Ben Baby. He wants you to know he's putting his name on it. <laughs> An ESPN guy is telling that he wants to make the Showtime fight happen. All right. We'll, we'll put that out to all the aggregators out there. Ben Baby said it. You know what? They won't even we'll use your name. We'll get awful announcer. Yeah, they'll just say ESPN says. But, hey, it'll be out there. Thanks for coming on to the fight game. It's been a pleasure, and I'm so, gl- I'm so happy that we had you on. Hey, let's do this again sometime, man. This is, this is, this is fun to talk football, I'll be honest. <laughs> 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 oh, All right. Thank, thank you. you. And that was Ben Baby from ESPN. He covers boxing and also football, but he doesn't want to talk about football, apparently. So we're going to have him back on soon on the fight game to keep talking more about the world of combat sports. Don't go anywhere because we're going to be coming back with a preview of UFC 275 and maybe a few good minutes with Jared if we got it. This is the fight game on 1230 The Game. Welcome back to the fight game. All right, and we are back here on the fight game. Let's go. Getting a little pumped up. And we about to let's do it because June 11th, UFC 275 is taking place in the Singapore Indoor Stadium in Singapore, oh, like this UFC is an international sport. UFC 275 taking place in Singapore. And not only is UFC international global with its fan base, but also its roster. Because the main card of this fight, 
you pick a country and you might have someone fighting from there. One of the main cards, I'm just going to focus on the main three because we're running out of time here. But one of the best fights you've ever seen in the women's strawweight division, John Wei Lee is getting the rematch with Joanna John Jacek, and it is going to be a knockdown drag out, drag out brawl. This first fight happened in 2020. And Jared, I know it's, it's two women, and some people, they didn't want to see women fighting the UFC for so long, but this was two women throwing hands at 115 pounds. I thought the fight was going to get stopped because on Joanna's face, the hematoma that she had, it was, oh my God, it was getting gnarly in there. And this was for the title. But this rematch here, title's not even on the line. This one's for bragging rights. This one's for who? This well, obviously the ranking. These are still two top fighters who could easily be back in title contention in the strawweight division. But man, that's like I know that there are two championship fights on this card. But no, no, no. That's gonna be the fight when you're just out with a bunch of friends. If you're, you, I don't care where you're watching it. Maybe at a sports book, your Buffalo Wild Wings. But if you're just watching this fight somewhere with a lot of people. This is going to be the fan. This is going to be the fight that fans stop and look like, man, they getting down. They getting busy. <laughs> they throwing hands. Oh man, I uh, there's something visceral. That's it's 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 probably not good. Well, probably. I mean, no, it's obviously it's fine. It's a combat sport, but there's something that's like, dang. All right. Okay. Should Ooh. I be watching this? <laughs> like there hits a level. And those are the best fights. Yes, those become the best fights. And in the women's flyweight division, oh, also in that one, I'm going to, I think, uh, I'm going to go with John on this one. I think that John is going to take this one in the rematch. So I'm going to also give my pick. You don't have to give a pick, Jared. I know that you didn't know who these two women were five minutes ago, so it's okay. I'm I'm mostly just afraid of mispronouncing either of their names. I Anyone who's ever listened to my show on ESPN knows that um, I, I suffer from mush mouth. So, yeah, I don't want to butcher anyone's names. All right, fair enough. And we're going to move on to the co-main event, Valentina Shevenko. You know, hey, we're not all perfect with the names. She's taking on Talia Santos. This is for the Women's Flyweight Championship. In Says the, the names perfectly. Hey, we're not all. And, I, and hey, man, somebody might, say, somebody might come and check me on... Hey, man, you didn't add enough on the Chenko. I don't know. But I'm also going to take Valentina on this one and the flyweight division. And I know we got to get a few good minutes with Jared in as well. So I'm going to go straight to the main event. We've got Glover Teixeira. One of the oh, he is the oldest first time champion in UFC history. He had that fight with John Jones in 2014 when he challenged for the UFC light heavyweight championship. But it came up short against John Jones when John Jones was basically unbeatable and he's going to be taking on yuri prohashka and jared you don't know what this guy looks like but the front of his head fade he's from the czech republic the front of his head just a normal just normal fade the back a giant ponytail that sticks straight up a braided ponytail that just goes all the way up and stands perfectly still and he is a great striker but one of the things that you glover to share he is the old man, but he's the underdog going into this fight, and I see why. The man's over 40 years old. Whoa. I was so surprised. Yes, the oldest first-time okay, champion. Okay, I, well, I thought, like, oldest, like, 36. No, 40. 42, I believe. And and I think that Yuri Prohoshka is going to come in here. That's like Tom Brady age. Exactly. 
And I do think that Glover, like, you know, his reign, it was just, it was fantastic to see him get the title because you want to see people get their flowers. Long overdue for someone that had so many struggles to even make it to the United States to fight with visa issues and the such. But I do think that his reign comes to an end this Saturday in Singapore. And that's all I got for you for UFC 275. Jared, what do you have for a few good minutes? Let's get it on. All right. So... You and I were hanging out, and a commercial came on for the Giannis biopic, and it made me start thinking, man, didn't Matthew Delavadova get a biopic? And so we got a Giannis biopic. We got, uh, you know, we've got Space Jam, obviously a LeBron biopic, a Michael Jordan biopic. What is, who is the worst athlete that you would watch a biopic of? to think of it and i'm literally thinking ryan fitzpatrick i would watch a ryan fitzpatrick biopic Nah, you said worse i could think of some worse that i mean he's the highest paid seven round draft pick of all time oh all right oh no i mean i'm not saying that he's bad but you're saying like i could think of some bad players well okay but it's a it's literally i meant worst as in like he was just a boy from harvard like it's oh, you mean a, it's like, going to be a bad movie? Yeah, it's going to oh, be a bad movie. Oh, when you said movie. worse, I thought you meant like, no, oh, no, no. we could find a guy, um, <laughs> oh. like that 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 teacher, um, I, wanted to, I forget his name, I remember the first name was Andre, oh, I'll have to look this up, but he was a G League superstar, plugging away in the G League for years, and then the Lakers finally call him up in one of the first year LeBron years when they knew that they weren't making it, so <laughs> this guy gets called up to the Lakers from the G League team, you know, just like a freaking math teacher. Aside from working in the G League, yeah. and he finally gets called up to the Lakers, and he knocks down a couple of threes in the game. I'd oh, watch yeah, biopic. Okay, all right. I mean, I'd watch the guy who uh, a couple years ago he was the equipment manager, and he had to go play goalie for like the Carolina Hurricanes, <laughs> and he was just like he literally just like walked down, and you could tell like this man is not comfortable on skates. <laughs> I'd watch that guy's biopic, but I just I, I'm. I guess my thoughts are, there's a lot... Andre Ingram. Boom. Yeah, oh my gosh, I totally remember that. All right, that's about... Yeah, glad we uh, snuck no, that no, in got, right, I, under, right yeah. underneath our limit here. I, I, I had a couple more, but I'll save them. I'll save them. Andre Ingram. All right, thanks Andre to... Andre Ingram in the show. Thanks that's to WWE superstars, Miz and Maurice Mazanin, for joining me on the show today. Thank you to ESPN's Ben Baby for coming on the show today, and he wants you to know... That he wants to talk more about boxing than he does football. I mean, he's covering the Bengals. Maybe nobody likes him that much. And also, they went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, nobody cares, Jared. It's not boxing. <laughs> and thank you to my producer, Jared Justice, for tagging along with me today. Hey, check out UFC 275 this Saturday. Check out Ms. and Mrs. on USA Network if you got a chance. And keep checking out the fight game here on 1230 The Game. We'll be back next week. Stay safe and protect yourself at all times, everybody.